Welcome, everyone. Welcome to you, to amazing subscribers and viewers today. Uh, welcome to Lucia Gabriela TV, the place to be where we learn everything and everything we can about love, relationships, sensuality, and sexuality. And today I have the honor to interview Philip Lewis. And I know that you saw him a little bit before now, but I'm going to be reading you his uh, bio and who he is, so in that way you have an awareness of his work. And also, we're going to be diving deeper into men getting unstuck from the muck of patriarchy, which is a very important topic right now in society. And I'm so, so, so excited. And oh, I'm, I'm, I have so many questions myself. I'm so excited to interview Philip. So, anyway. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Philip, again. So, Philip Lewis is a love coach, a certified sexological body worker, trained somatic practitioner, an epic event producer for the last 18 years. He has been exploring love, relationship, intimacy, sensuality, and sexuality with individuals and communities through teaching, writing, coaching, and events with the goal of growing men and women into better lovers and better humans. He's a father, a lover, a partner, a husband, a teacher, a producer, a writer, a social artist, a coach, a counselor, and much more. So he, he has a deep appreciation for people and life, and his deepest wish is to live everyone a little bit better and a little bit more delighted wherever he goes. He, you are <laughs> welcome. <laughs> Uh, every time, every time, I, thank you so much, uh, um, Lucia. It's it's every time I hear the bio, I'm thinking, wow, it's such a mouthful. And and the, and the truth is, is that as human beings, we're very diverse creatures. It, it's very difficult. I mean, I know some people do it, but for me, that just to really understand what's going on uh, out there in the world and between people is that uh, it's. Our relationships are made of, of multiple people that are extremely complex human being, organically grown day after day with experiences. And it's impossible for it to be so simple that, that any one person would be would just be focused on one thing. Like we have diversity of skills, a diversity of qualities, and a diversity of experiences. And then so when we interact, things get even more complex or for some people, complicated. It's like that Facebook update. It's complicated in their relationship. Um, so anyway, so that's why that's the short, the long, uh, uh, the the short uh, reason why my bio is such a mouthful is because as I've grown, I've accumulated these different skills and expertise in different areas. But the one thing that struck me when you're speaking is that what you're about is is um, um, is intimacy, sensuality. Uh, um, what was that? The four words. Wow, I got confused all of a sudden. It's the same ones: intimacy, relationships, sensuality, and sexuality. Or you know, we have very similar ones. So when you asked me to be on your show, I got super excited because I was like, "Wow, we have a similar love for similar things." So are we gonna get it? We're gonna get along just fine. I love it. And, and yes, and like when I was, I when I was. First of all, the way that I met you in the aspect of through social media, that I love social media for that reason, is I I get to know amazing people uh, in our community. And I 
learned from you from one of our mutual colleagues, uh, Muse, and she changed her name now, but, and she was part of your, she, she was part of the show that you did with Playboy. And, uh-huh. and yes, and that was like, when I saw you in that show in Playboy, sharing uh, and working with these women, helping her try to really enjoy pleasure and and be in that arousal state and really share that and you know it, the way that sometimes we play is so beautiful and so it has a lot of meaning to it and the way that we connect with people is so deep that sexuality like an aspect of sex was not part of it like people would think like you go to playboy and you're like what i'm getting educated in connection and intimacy and all that stuff and you know when i saw it was playboy i thought i was gonna see some like bang 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 thing (laughs) but i was surprised because i was like Yes, he did it. Like he's actually sharing something about connecting and the way that we 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 are intimate and the way that we kiss and the way that that we just touch, you know. And I tell you, I got so inspired, and that was last year. And I was so inspired. And I was like, oh my god! And when I then I read your website with the exquisite love coach right and i was like oh i love the word exquisite i can't even pronounce it but i just love the sound of it <laughs> that would be that's your practice <laughs> yeah so i had to practice more of that connected your own exquisiteness <laughs> but i am so so like I, I my favorite words are orgasmic and it's like my emotions and my feelings are like so orgasmic right now just to to have the honor to to share with our community on you know on YouTube and Facebook and, and everybody that we touch, this aspect of relationship, this aspect of sensuality, sexuality, intimacy that is so needed and so crave in this world. And one of the things that oh, is, is helping us to understand is um, I feel like for the past year is really we diving into becoming more aware of the masculine energy and the masculine power in its fullness and the present. Mm-hmm. But I'm not talking about like the, the, this empower masculine, but it's coming like it's beautiful as you have to see how a man like you and all the colleagues that they're stepping up and they really sharing what a man, a masculine really feels and embody and think that we women, we crave for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you wrote a post about a topic that we're gonna be talking about, I was like, I need to, we need to talk about this. Like we need to make it public. We need to make it in the video. We need to interview you. Uh, we need to know from you. We want to hear it. So tell us more about yeah. getting unstuck from the mark of patriarchy for the, for the men. Let's talk oh. about this. All right. So yeah, the topic is getting unstuck from the muck of patriarchy and yeah. <laughs> I had to come up with a good title for, for what I've been feeling for a long time. But let me just backtrack for a second. So I'm a, so I'm a dad, and <clears throat> in, in, in many ways, not only is my son five and a half, but I'm also a five and a half year old dad. I've been growing with my son, figuring out how am I going to do this thing called raising a child in this day and age, which, which, um, uh, which granted is much better a day and age than it used to be maybe 100 years ago or 50 years ago. 
but it's still there's still some difficulty in growing up in a way uh, in this society in a way that's not going that's going to be healthy and so i'm watching my son as he's growing up and i'm thinking at some point some boy is going to come along or he's going to witness some he's going to watch some movies or he's going to see things that tells him what it's like to be a man and what it's like to be a woman and already we can begin to see it in kindergarten where he says oh this is this is a girl color this is a boy color and this is this is a game that girls play and this is a game that boys play and granted at his school they're doing their best to keep all the options open and not tell the kids this is the way boys are this is the way girls are but it's just present in our society it's present in our field it's present in our culture and some people call that patriarchy this sense that that men are better or or at an advantage or that men should be a certain way and conversely the men the way women are, are supposed to be this used to be called sexism now it's called patriarchy it's mm. the same thing it's it hasn't radically changed in 50 years it's going in the direction of more options people have more options in terms of, of uh, gender gender roles but at the same time there's still that sense of what it's supposed to be uh, oh by the way i'm hearing a little bit of an echo on your end like when i'm speaking i can hear the sound on your side oh so, uh, let me maybe i mute myself while you talk and maybe maybe see that yeah, happen help. okay that. hello hello that's much better. Ah, oh, thank you so much. Much, much better. So, all right. So, so, so here's my son. He's growing up. He's got nothing telling him, as far as we can tell, telling him what he's supposed to look like, what he's supposed to do as a man or as a boy. And, um, and we're trying to keep all of his options open. So if he, if he wants to go in one direction or another, he's free to go. Uh, we're also not telling him this is the way men, like we're not telling him men have less emotions, men are less equipped to be, uh, to be emotionally, uh, to be emotionally uh, connected or empath empathetic. We're not telling him that girls are better in some ways and boys are not as good as some ways. We're not telling him that as a boy, at some point, he's going to, he's going to hurt someone. But what's interesting is our society and in the in the rape culture that exists, we're actually telling that to men. We're telling men, if you're a man, there's a good chance you're going to hurt someone. If you're a man and you have urges, there's a good chance that somebody's going to be impacted negatively by your actions. That's not necessarily true. But because of the, the cultural climate that we live in called patriarchy, this is the message that gets that gets pushed around all the time. We're saying that men that men can be uh, can easily be misogynistic. We tell we're saying that men are are likely are more likely to rape. We're we're, tell, we're telling people based on statistics what's most likely to happen, but we're losing track of the individual. So the muck of what I call the muck of patriarchy is this sort of like this idea that if we don't watch ourselves, we're going to get stuck in these ideas and these uh, uh, these idealistic sexist sexist views and and we're gonna have to get us get ourselves unstuck from them so if you're a man in this day and age there's at least one person who's going to say men are like this and there's going to be a little bit of it if you're a sensitive person a little bit of it is going to go in as this is the truth mm 
in the same way that if I approached you and I said, you're a woman, this is the way you're supposed to be, or this is the way you are, or statistically, it's more likely that this is going to happen to you. There's a little bit of it because, I, and I'm not talking about just, just one message, but I'm talking about thousands of messages every day or every week that tell us how men are and how women are. To me, this is the muck that stop us from being fully self-expressed. So that's the, that's the topic for today is, is in what ways do we get stuck in these views and in what ways do we want to either get unstuck or at least do our best to not get more stuck in it or in supporting others in having greater freedom in the areas of basically in, around sexism. Back to me. Back to me. Bye. <laughs> so, I I feel the the you know the whole mess, right? That it's not just for the boys, but also for the girls. And I feel your um your questioning and, and like the whole journey because I even have my daughter of nine years old. So it's very important for us to to as parents to really like what is the what i'm paving here what is i'm paving for my daughter's awareness of sexuality how do i how do i teach her like right now she's in the age of uh, even exploration right like asking and she knows about sexuality and she has questions and i, I can as much as i can be open and 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 conscious about teaching her the core of it, the energy aspect of it, the aspect of connecting, the aspect of allowing your yourself to be a child and explore that in a more physical way when you get older because she's already asking and things like that. And this and it is interesting because the reason why I'm mentioning this, even though that is something personal, well it's it's, it's life, you know, every everybody experienced that and and many men also like little boys has has this this thing about exploring and um exploring their sexuality and exploring what a man is about and uh it was interesting for me to see last week a movie uh called the moonlight i don't know if you saw it but it was supposed to be a one um a golden globe and it's supposed to be about um, this boy who was exploring his sexuality and he has issues embracing his sexuality. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting to see that the dynamic of the the story was that since he was little, they were telling him that he was a faggot, that he was gay. And he didn't know what was that. But like you said, it got into him and he started questioning it. So he used to question, am I gay? Or I'm like, what it is? Like, you know, like six, six, seven years old. Like, and how can we, you know, and, and his whole life had really got defined by that moment of his life. The moment that they call him a faggot, they call, the moment that they call him something like that, you know, they define his masculinity at that age. Somebody gave a meaning of his masculinity and he didn't know, he couldn't, you know, mom was a drug addict. No connection, no communication for with the parent, which I believe it's very important in our society to communicate with a kid. Uh, his whole life was truly paid on just that comment. And his way of exploring his sexuality was really interesting and traumatizing in the same way because he ended up having just a sexual experience of, of masturbation with a boy. 
and that was it. Mm -hmm. That was all all spirit because he didn't know any anything else. Mm -hmm. So, how when we're talking about uh, men getting unstuck of the muck of patriarchy, how can you know we women? Um, I love to interview men and to hear your point of view and um, and also to your observations and your experience. I can, as a mother, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of uh, of my um, the people that watch, you know, the the people that watch a lot a lot of the my you know the show and my following are women. How can mm-hmm. we women help men to be unstuck from these muck? <laughs> right. Uh- can you can you can you go back into reading? Uh, thanks for the question. Um, so the, one of the things that was coming up to me as you were speaking is, first of all, we're patriarchy is a system. It's a system of oppression, essentially sexism, but called a different name. Sexism is also a system of oppression, and what it what a system of oppression does is it diminishes people's ability to fully choose for themselves. It reduces freedom and and there's a there's a belief somewhere that it that it gives freedom to one and removes freedom from another um but to me i feel that this is a little bit of a limited view um to actually give men more power is actually giving them the kind of power that is actually not fulfilling if we look at human beings as um, as fundamentally wanting to connect when men get the kind of power that this that allows them to be more disconnected to have power over this is not this is not what what humans need and want at the very basic level so so while some while, while you could see a society where where men have been or or are in high in a higher level of power um to and essentially women being in a lesser level of power that that kind of disconnect that that kind of difference actually is a disconnect the greater power is actually not helpful it's a substitute for connection but it's not actually what people but people and you fundamentally human beings want so your question was how can women help uh and i have a few women in my life who are just they, they they're champions of men they're ch- champions of masculinity champions of men that doesn't mean they're masculine themselves but they they deeply appreciate men and in a way that goes beyond uh, uh there's a, there's some views that see that see women who are who have been victimized as sort of turning around and loving men in a way that's out of balance what i'm speaking as is is women who want to have a deeper connection to men men for for everything that they are and everything that they're not so if you look at men as a full gender or sex there there are some limitations that have been imposed by patriarchy and by sexism boys are told you don't have any emotions or don't feel anything don't cry these are limitations that are imposed later on it allows boys to actually to actually oppress women, um, boys and men to oppress women in a way that is that is actually an expression of that disconnect. So when women come in and love men, 
for for everything they are and everything that they're not, their strengths, their limitations, and connect with them at all of these levels because they can see that that these are human beings rather than demons to be eliminated. Uh, what it does is actually causes men to connect more deeply with themselves. And as a mother and as a father, as a mother, you probably notice as a father, I notice is when my little, my little boy has, has a hard time or what my little boy really truly wants is to connect. And when he's having a hard time to actually see, see him fully is the best way to have him learn how to grow out of the difficulty that he's in. So what you can do, what women can do, is actually deep, more deeply connect with men. The solution is not to demonize. The solution is not to eliminate. The solution is to hold a firm boundary. And I see my wife doing that with my son all the time. When my son does something he's not supposed to do, what she does is hold a strong boundary. But that is a connected boundary. This is not a go to your room, I don't want to see you. This is a I'm sitting with you. I'm a no, I still love you, and I'm still staying connected to you. This is the kind of connection that fosters more connection. And it's the kind of depth that fosters more depth. This is the kind of connection that is reflective, that causes people to see themselves in another. And women are particularly well-equipped because of our cultural differences. Women are particularly equipped to offer this kind of self-reflection as a natural expression of who they are through empathy. So what can women do? More empathy, more connection. To awaken men in their own connection to themselves, to be able to see themselves truly and connect more deeply around what the, the actions where they've had negative impact and the ways that they've uh, they've hurt others in the past and be able to come to terms with that and grow from it. So really it's about learning from, this, from, from, from our mistakes through the support of others who are willing. I'm not saying all women should do it. I'd say only the women who are ready, willing, and able to do it should go there. But because I've heard, I've heard that, 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 um, that, re that reflection, oh, are you saying that all women should do this? Are you saying that women should connect with men? I am not. I'm saying that what I think is the most useful thing for women to do is to connect more deeply. And some women are not up for that. Some women have been hurt. And the result is they need to do some healing. And they can't do it. And they can't support men until they've done that healing. And even when they've done that healing, it's still their choice. So I respect the choice of every woman um, and I respect the choice of every man as they're on their path. But everyone is in a different place on that path. And so, and the, and the best way is through connect, the best way to growth is through connection. And that is beautiful and it's right on the, right on the point of like what we all really want is to connect with with the other human being, no matter what kind of sex it is. And, and it's interesting to, um, and I, think I, I feel like it's interesting and powerful 
to bring this awareness of connection uh, at a very young age. Mm -hmm. And while you were talking, I was like, oh my God, what I just experienced yesterday with my daughter and my partner, it was just the topic of today. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, well, you're talking about it. I'm like, well, yes, I got my lesson yesterday. And, and it was, um, which it, it, it was very helpful because as we explore uh, relationship and intimacy, you know, at a very young age, um, according to the conditions of society, we create this connection from uh, facing our fears. And we disconnect from people and we disconnect from a parent, we disconnect when we do something that it wasn't, that it wasn't pretty, wasn't right, or, or it was not look the right way. Mm -hmm. So we become shameful and we become, um, we become guilty of something. And then we have this guilt uh, of that we did something wrong, but we still don't understand it. And we learn at a very young age to, to avoid it. And it's like a habit of like anytime that you have a problem, instead of facing it, we avoid it. So that's why like the work that we do if to get intimate with somebody, like we have to face our fears, we have to face our shadow, our inner child, and go back to that state of, of innocent and really face uh, whatever comes their way uh, through connection. And it was beautiful to see like my partner and my daughter, they got, um, they got into a little argument or something like that and the way that we brought into peace it was when I step up as a mother and I said the two of you come together right now mm -hmm. and you guys are going to l connect right now with each other and, and through the work that we do like help to heal you know like you know look into the person's eyes just a way to connect and I was seeing my daughter that she would be my partner already experienced it and he has done this work and that was his benefit but my daughter has you know is she's still young like very you know how are you gonna teach all these things that we learn about sexuality and tantra and all that stuff to a young person and I said that's the first step helping our kids to really connect with the parent and everybody who they have an argument with and connect and be fully present. So it was a beautiful exercise that I witnessed yesterday where she was so like avoiding, avoiding contact. And I was just fully present there for her. And I said, please, and like holding space for her. And I said, please allow yourself to see, you know, the love that he has for you. And whatever the argument was, it was not meant to hurt you, but it was just, and the other person too, like my partner, please connect with her. And, and she, it took like, it took us like 15 minutes, but in that journey of like, get them together and her to connect with my partner, looking at the eye without looking to other part and really, really the web point was she got it. Like she was there and she was not afraid anymore of, that she said something wrong and she did something wrong and she was guilty or shame, but she really was connecting with the soul of that person. Mm. So while you sharing right now, it really just bring a lot of, um, I feel like it brought, it brought the topic uh, of today of connection in, in many levels because we are living in a society that, that even parents, we, we're losing connection with a kid and the way that we think that we're connecting is when we buy them what we didn't have 
oh, I'm giving my kids what I didn't have when I was a child, but they're missing this, this connection of, of, of intimacy of the, the parent. And I feel like it's a beautiful practice to start connecting at a very young age and, and see, you know, men and women. And we all connecting each other. <laughs> you have something to say, and you want something else to say uh, about the aspect of what else? I mean, I know connection is powerful, but for somebody, for example, for somebody who is not even aware of the work that we do, who is so new to to this, and who really want to repair that relationship. Uh, and they they are living with a man who who had who's stuck. You know, mm-hmm. I know that you mentioned about being more empathy and more connection, but what does this really mean in like practical ways? Like mm-hmm. showing empathy. Like how can we show empathy? Especially if you're in a relationship that you know that you know you you're surviving right now in a relationship. Mm-hmm. How can I know that the woman had to do a lot of healing herself, um, and 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 then from that place she can. But meanwhile, was she doing that healing? What could be a goodie that we can give her hmm. for that? So uh, there's a few there's a few different things that can happen. So. Again, I take I take a lot of my notes from parenting uh, and watching my wife, who's a who's my wife Paget, who's a, a ninja when it comes to parenting. Like she has empathy in such a way that the answers just come. I, I'll ask her like, "How did you do that?" And she'll say, "I don't know. I just kind of knew." And so, so I'll just you I'll I'll just. I'll just give a few things. I'll just show a few things that she does that I think really makes sense because I I can see I can see how that connects. She does it naturally. I I have a tendency to kind of look at it from well, what are the tools and so um so so when my son is upset and and what I'm saying can apply not just to not not just to to a, a child, but it can as you mentioned, but it can also apply to your primary to your partner. See, what happens is that in relationship, we get to reparent each other. That's a given. There's always an inner child in, your, in our partner, and there's our inner child. And when, and when we're engaging with our partner, often when we get upset, it's our inner child that's really actually getting upset. It's the part of us that's really young, and often you can see that in your partner. They're getting upset about something, in here, and you're thinking, Wow, you're like five years old right now. I'll ask that of my clients and my partners, like how old do you feel right now? And often the answer will be seven, five, four, thirteen, when it's a re- the rebellious teenager coming out. Just the way that the partner really gets seen. So so the, so that the first step is this person's the, the age that this person feels. And Engage with them as if they were that age. Now, not in a patronizing way, but in a loving way. Like when you recognize as if this person was your child, because in some ways they are. In some ways, if they're your partner, they're attached to you. 
in a in a very deep, deeply, deeply heartfelt and sometimes nonverbal way. And if you look into attachment theory, which is a big topic that we can look at in the future, uh, in a future show, attachment theory states that we develop the ways that we attach to intimate partners um, based on how we attach to our parents. When we are very young, some, usually it starts to develop before we are 12. That's pre-verbal. So there are really deep ways that we, that, that we connect to our intimate partners that, that is very similar to the way we were connecting to our parents. And often that's because there's more work to be done, there's integration work that needs to be done that hasn't been done yet, either because of our family of origin or family constellation, or also, uh, or also because of newer experiences that have happened to us later in life. But all of this to say, the inner child is present in each of us, and we get to reparent each other, regardless of our actual age. So having said that, when your partner is getting upset, try to figure out what age they feel. You could ask if you think, if you think they'd be open to it, but I would say just kind of feel into it. And if your partner feels like they're five, engage with them with the kind of love you would give a five-year-old. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, if there's difficulty with your partner, engage with them with touch. Give them a loving touch. It's very hard to get upset at a partner, to be upset at a partner when you're holding hands. Very difficult. When you have physical touch, and that might be the only thing you're willing to do because you really don't want to be close to them, but if you're holding hands, that kind of connection, physical connection, has a physiological, there's a physiological response that comes with it. The third thing that you can do is to, um, is to empathize. And then by empathize, it's to, which is what I said earlier, is to feel into how this person is feeling. If you have difficulty being empathetic, then what it means is kind of trying to figure out what they're feeling and imagine yourself feeling the same thing. And that's the next best thing to just feeling it. So if your partner is angry, uh, then you can kind of sit with them and figure out like, what is it like for them to be angry? And, and imagine yourself being angry with them, not at them, but with them. So you get their world. That's empathy. Empathy really is a more natural, naturally arising version of what I said, is to put yourself in the other person's shoes in terms of emotions. It's very similar to if you were to bump your, bump your head on something, and we do this with kids all the time. We go to them and say, oh, that must have hurt, right? And, we, and there's a part of us that's imagining how that would feel so that we can feel it with them. And connection happens when we feel the same thing as somebody else feels. They know that we're feeling the same thing. They, we know that they know that we're feeling the same thing. And in this sort of imitation game, we, the feeling of connection arises. And the feeling of support and the feeling of love. So those are some of the things that I, I recommend. And women can do, but men can do too with their partner. Because men often will say, what should I do, right? Men are very much into doing, it's a cultural thing, um, acts of service as a love language. 
And so I recommend to men in some cases, the doing is more of a feeling. You're not fixing something, you're just being with the person. You're being with the five-year-old, you're, you're being in connection with touch, that could be your, when you're holding hands, or you're offering a comforting, loving touch. And it's also being with the emotions. So it's not about the story, it's about being with the person. The more being with your, the, the more you're being with the person, the faster the whole experience will evaporate. The faster they'll calm, they'll calm down. Because the whole upset is about expressing a need for connection. And so, um, so just to go back to how women can help. Uh, Men are often stuck in these really deep, difficult, and that happens to women too, but as a man, I've often felt stuck in these really difficult situations, in inner turmoils. And it looks to women, it looks to my friends like I'm just distant. But that distance is just an inner stuckness. And that inner stuckness, there's not really much that you can do other than sit with me in it. It's a very, I feel very, I feel like I'm in molasses and I've seen other men in that same place where they're brooding and they're, and they're just very silent. And what's happening is often men are just struggling with their emotions. They're struggling to understand what's happening inside to make sense of it. And it often feels just like discomfort and fuming and and up and upset without any in any specific direction. Um, and or sometimes it's actually loud. So the best thing that somebody can do with a man who's in that situation is just sit with them. So again, sit with gentle touch if they want it, um, and sit with the sit with the five-year-old, or sit with the sit with the inner child. And and just ask gently, like, is there anything I can do? Can can I can we just sit together? Very, very simple things. So oh, there you go. Sorry, that was a little bit longer than I expected. Now actually you um you you kinda like respond a little bit into the other question that was gonna ask you, um, how men can um get unstuck within themselves. Um and you mentioned this, you know, we can be fully present and um, being with a person and being compassionate and empath. Um, Empathetic. So, so that's what can we do with women? Like, which you share amazing, uh, amazing tips. Uh, how do you feel right now? Engage with them at the age. Engage with touch. Yep. And become empath. Um, really feel allowed to feel the motion, be present, honor the space. Yep. Um, so you know, let, me, let me answer your, the question I think you're about to ask, which is how do men do this with themselves? Yeah, you got it! Right. <laughs> so so here's, the, here's the short answer. Everything I just said to women, men should do with their own inner child. Okay. Everything, but they should do it internally. Sit with the five-year-old, sit with your inner child. Um, be in touch, but in this case, it would be internally. Like you could imagine holding your inner child. You can imagine holding their hand. You can, and you can imagine just 
being with them in the upset. So what that looks like, so to speak internally, is the man feels into their inner child, gets, gets in connection with him, and, and just sits with the emotion with their inner child, as if they're an adult, because they are also an adult. They know what's going on. They've been through life. They know how to drive a car. They know how to handle businesses. And, you know, they're, they're like a much more mature version of their inner child. And one of the most useful things that a man can do is to sit with their own inner child and reparent their own self. And, but often what, what, what happens is that people are raised in a way that was not, that was not the right way, to, that was not the right kind of parenting. So they become adults, and the way they reparent their inner child is totally the wrong way. The, the way they parent their inner child is go to your room, I don't want to talk to you. It's very much like the way their parents used to do it, because that's what they learned. So, the, so the, the man, both men and women, have to learn to parent their own inner child and parent each other's inner child in a way that is completely different than often they were raised. It's about really teaching their inner child that whatever they have, that they don't need, that their upset is okay, that their that uh, uh, their uh, their tantrum actually matters, that the need that their needs actually matter. It's about really getting in in right relationship with your own inner child and the inner child of your parent uh, of your um, uh, of your partner. That's what it is. I mean, when it comes right down to it, if P, if every if every man and woman could do that with themselves and with each other, a whole lot of issues in our society would go away. I love when you can read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm practicing. <laughs> Great. Um, so one of, of the post um, that got us having a conversation, it was something that you were sharing about um, the injustice of in an aspect, what we call it, of men paying um, for the fault of other people. So we can see that a lot in these elections that happen and uh, it triggers a lot of people and also created a turmoil even for women. And and yeah. and we see a lot of the blame of 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 you know to men like you know when you talk about the patriarchy like the sexism I and mean, kind of agree with you in an aspect that it is a sexism thing because for some reason in my vocabulary patriarchy had never has had never been that sexist because coming from a Latin culture we use mm -hmm. study um, patriarchy matriarchy. Uh, it has a beautiful definition. It uh, had nothing. Uh, it's, it really, it's really powerful and it's beautiful and it's providing. But it comes, it comes from like the the, you know, from the Incas and the Mayas and the Aztecas. When we talk about the patriarchy of those communities, they are like it's beautiful and elegant and powerful. I never really connected or created a meaning or attachment to patriarchy to something bad, 
So I come to the Western world in the United States and all I'm hearing about patriarchy is all this, you know, blah, 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 the bad, bad, bad stuff about the masculine energy and, and the way of men running this world on this planet and all that stuff, which creates a lot of, personally creates a lot of inner conflict just with the word itself because I grew up with a beautiful meaning for patriarchy and when I hear everybody talking about patriarchy, that now resonates with what I create, you know, what I have felt and experienced mm-hmm. at the meeting. So I, I, I'm glad that you say something about sexism because that's pretty much what it is. <laughs> that really, really that resonates with me better that way. Yeah. <laughs> and I can live my patriarchy beautifully and nicely in an altar. <laughs> so it really yeah, means thanks. the greatness for me. Yeah. But can, um, can I interrupt for a second? Yes. So um, your beautiful experience of patriarchy is is totally awesome, and what and and the muck that I've been speaking about is if you were in the Western world for long enough, you would encounter enough experiences and enough people and believe that who believe that patriarchy is bad, 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 that it would change your experience from a beautiful experience, beautiful empowering experience, to one that isn't. It, it'd be like going on a hike and getting your, your boots dirty. So the muck that I'm speaking of is essentially it's a social context. It's social scripting. It's social conditioning. It's a system that people to believe in it for it to exist. And you walk into that system and you say, but wait, patriarchy can be awesome. Dang. And of course, you having it's it's like your flavor is is be is sort of like spreading around. You talk to a few people and they're like, huh, well, I didn't never thought that patriarchy could be awesome. Maybe it can be. And they kind of have a lighter or more empowered version of the patri- or patriarchy. That isn't what they've been believing. At the same time, your vision, your social view on what patriarchy is also begins to get diluted by the system that you're in. So it's, 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 it's like if you were to drop a, a drop of liquid uh, uh, of color in a glass of water, it would, like if it's, a glass, if it's a drop of red, it would color the whole thing slightly red, but at the same time, your drop, which is you, would also get diluted. So being stuck in the muck is, is, is your, when you're in a culture for long enough, it changes you. It changes what you believe, what you want, what you think is right, and because you become part of the system. And it's very difficult to get out of the system that you are part of. That's why I'm thinking, I'm trying to think, how do I raise my child so he understands the system that he's in without him getting changed and getting impacted negatively by a system that tells him what he needs to be, allowing him to be what he wants to be because, because there's a trust that in that he will become a good person. Love it. But I was going to say, like, I love the fact that you put mock of in front of it because it had been very heartbreaking to me to uh, go to many even spiritual communities or sexual spiritual communities and when they talk about the patriarchy is 
it's it's like they're talking about like they're talking about the mock. And and I love the fact that you put it like an an adverb, like a you know, an adjective in front of it. <laughs> Which help because when I was doing a shadow work, uh they asked me for a priestess process that I was doing, they asked me to go into my patriarchy and let the patriarchy come out and be the ugly and I'm like my patriarchy does not talk like this. <laughs> it's like, right. Nothing to do with it. That my immature masculine will be the ugly one. That the, but my patriarchy is like, woo, yeah, like we're in the sun, man. Like we just woo. So, <laughs> so it, I, I really had a hard time with that. So when you send the title, I was really interested. Um, to hear your 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 opinions and your perspective of the patriarchy, which I love it. I love the fact that you put an adjective in front of it. Mm. Uh, so what I was going to ask before uh, before it goes out of my mind is the whole aspect of the injustice that um, that we you know that the, some men are experiencing right now because of the fault of the disempowerment and immaturity of other all the men yeah. and which is really hurting our society and you talk about it in your post and that there are the accusation toward men mm-hmm. and we already tap a little bit and like how can we hope but do you feel like in this time uh, we know we are in the shadow of, of, of the immature masculine and immature feminine, and that's what we live in right now um, with the election. Do you feel that there's going to be something like the, uh, I would call it a revolution of, mm-hmm. of the masculine also stepping up and, and, and more men like yourself and like all the people that I I connected with and I'm aware and I love and I adore their work. Do you feel like this is really giving an opportunity for many men to be like, you know what, I am not like that and I don't like to be, I don't have to have accusations like this. So do you think that this is firing up a lot of people to really step more into learning more about the masculine? Hmm. Um, yes. Yes, I think there's two ways this can go, and I think it goes both ways, both each of those two ways at the same time. Um, so the simplistic view is uh, uh, like a simplistic view, and I'm, I'm not saying you're simplistic in that in, in what you said. Um, a one simplistic view is that men are going to say, "Wow, I don't want to be one of those men, and so I'm going to rise up to the occasion." Of course, there's the flip side of that, which some men are going to say, "Well, I want to be more like Trump, or I want to be." Uh, I, I want to be, I love the expression of the immature, mas- immature masculine because I relate to it very outright. Um, and, uh, and I'm going to do that. So right now what we're seeing is because of the radical shift in, uh, with, the, with the two different presidents, the last president and this president, there's, a, there's, a, there's going to be a polarization that's going to happen for a while. Um, as people find their people, like their people, like who are the men that I can relate to and who are the men that I don't relate to. And that kind of polarization is going to happen. Unfortunately, what comes along with that is a certain amount of demonization. Who is not my people are the bad ones. 
and who are my people are the good ones. But of course, they're doing the same thing on the other side. And if we go back to the, to, to the early part of this, uh, of this conversation, what's needed is not more of you, me versus you. What's, what's needed is more connection. And so there's, a, there's something great about finding your people, the people that are your friends, the people that relate to you, the people that agree with you. But if it comes at the expense of connecting with others, then, then what it is, all, all that it is, is just a polarization. And that polarization has the potential to, to support deeper connection, but it also supports a deeper disconnection. So that's, that's one aspect. Another aspect I see is, is it gives people who have been hurt a greater chance to speak up because now they feel like they really have to. Now, the flip side of that is when you speak up, uh, and often, uh, often speaking up is just based on emotions, and you can project those emotions on particular genders or particular people. In this case, there's a lot of projection towards men and white people. And this projection is just another way of saying, I don't want to connect with you because I think you're bad. And when you look at men, men are, are men and women for that matter. And I always speak to the other gender because I don't think it's unique. I think every, each gender has their own challenges, but really everyone is in this together because we're in a system, right? We're in a system of oppression. Uh, so, 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 so nobody's not in the system. We're all part of it. Um, so if I look at men, I look at my own journey, I grew, up in, I grew up in a household that didn't really say what men are supposed to look like or not supposed to look like. I mean, I looked at my dad who was just doing his thing and he was all about fixing things and walking around the house, but he never told me this is how you be a man or, or be a man or, or stop crying or he ne never told me any of those things. He always supported me and my mom always, always supported me and my sister in just growing to be whatever we wanted to be, which was very progressive at the time. So here I am, I grew up and, and I, I moved to the United States and then I encounter a lot of people who say bad things about men and, I, and I'm thinking, I don't understand why you're saying this. Are you saying that it's like that for me as well? And a lot of people would say yes. They said, because you're a man, you've, uh, you, you are part of this class of people who have hurt others in the past and now you're also responsible for that. And that was a really strange thing for me to hear because I didn't really relate. I didn't really relate to that. What, what, I've, been, what I've been seeing is a few, a few bad men or a num X number of, bad, of, of men doing bad things does not mean that I do, I'm doing some bad things. And, but, if, but, but what I felt is by being told that I'm just as bad as those bad men, or I should be, I should be a part of that group, because most likely I will do bad things. It actually has an influence. It's like this: telling someone repeatedly that they're bad, just like you would if you told a child repeatedly that they're bad, it changes them. And I felt that pressure to constantly check myself for bad behavior when most of the time it's actually not the case. So that's one, one version. But the other thing is, is men are growing. We're asking men to become more sensitive and more empathetic. 
And the more empathetic and sensitive we're asking them to be, the more it's like, the more they're going to be impacted when we tell them that they're bad. So it's very difficult for men to get out of that system because they're told, you're going to rape me or you're going to rape someone. Apparently, statistics say that nine men out of ten will rape someone in their life. And I'm thinking, really? That's, is, that, is that really the case? Or are we, are we actually telling men this is going to happen? Or are we giving them just, or, or, or are we just saying this is possible, but really you get to decide? Are we empowering men to, uh, to be who they're meant to be and to, and, to be and, and to support a culture that is not what it is right now? But if we keep telling them that they're bad, but at the same time we're telling them they need to be more sensitive and more connected to themselves, the, the result is going to be they're going to incorporate a lot of these messages, these <clears throat> sexist messages that are out there, which will then leave them worse than they came than, than they started. So it's really about that trying to get out of the system means you have to let this leave the system behind. But you also have to listen to you also have to as you're getting out of the system rather than just pushing everybody away to stay in connection is also very difficult. I feel like I kind of got lost in this whole in this conversation a little bit and uh, and I just want to bring it back to Everyone is on a growth path, and everyone is an individual. No one is a statistic. What we need to do in the same way that we support each child in becoming who they want to become, through, connect, through connecting with them and supporting them, I think the same is true with men. And I, and I think that men, when they feel, when, they, when they've arrived at a place where they feel connected to others, or whenever they do individually, then the result is going to be more caring. And that caring is going to lead to uh, supporting those who have been hurt. And you see this happen all the time with men. Men go, men as they become more empowered, they begin, they begin to speak up about past hurts and past impact. And they, uh, and they support others in actually rising up from, from their own side of the muck of patriarchy. And healing. Wow, that was um yes, you gave a lot, <laughs> and that was intense. Just yeah. like following through it, and it's like wrapping myself around that. Um, but what really shocked me when you said like nine men out of ten will you know abuse or rape a woman or something like that. Yeah. It's kind of like a very like a really like really like that's a real st statistic. I'm like. That's like 90 men out of 100. It's like, like really? Like, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't even wrap myself around that. That, that kept me in shock for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And um, because there are also men who are being raped by women and men who are being raped by men. So it's something that we really, really, statistics are great, but I feel like sometimes we cannot even, you know, trust too much of the statistic because what are the vi variables like what is really where they really came in from so wow yeah that was intense shake it <laughs> that was awesome so 
I really, really appreciate that you took the time to share this with us. And what I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, I don't like to say the word taking or grabbing from this, but like what I am experiencing from this, that's not better, is yeah. the, the aspect of really um, what we can do, men and women, is connect with ourselves in a deeper level, with our inner child, with all aspects of ourselves, and to develop that empath, but also have you know, be, you know, be in alignment with being empath, right? Like not get out of alignment because like you said, uh, once you get off the stream the other way, it can also be harmful for the person um, in, in some levels, right? And so we cannot go to stream. Like we really have to be in alignment with being empath and the compassion and the love and the connection. And I feel like the medicine for these this topic is connection, like the medicine of it itself. Connecting one another, connecting with men, connecting with women, connecting with our lovers, our partners, and having the foundation uh, of relationships nice and strong um, as a parent and pass it on to others and as a partner. So, yeah. So that's pretty much what I am experiencing from this conversation. So I really... I'm gonna to have to watch this again. <laughs> <laughs> Can I add a quick thing for, from what you said around connection? This one, I promise, it will be short. Uh, I often tell my clients that um, it's not just about connection; it's about consciously being able to consciously disconnect, unconsciously disconnecting. So today we got into connection, into conversation. And then at some point, we'll have to disconnect. We'll have to say goodbye. There's a little bit of a part of our heart that says, no, I don't want to, <laughs> because it's so good. And it may, maybe it's our inner child. Maybe it's another part of us. But it's really important to disconnect consciously with full, in full connection rather than just say, OK, gone, see you later, to actually slowly acknowledge. That's why people say things like, I love you. Thank you. I love hanging out with you. All of these things are meant to, to consciously let go of, of the, all the pieces of the connection so that in our heart, we stay alive. And so when we reconnect later, we're, let, we're coming back with that same aliveness. So connection and disconnection are really important. That was awesome. That was orgasmic right there. Because I didn't, uh, even, I didn't even think of that. And I, I have not even been aware of that. Um, well, I'm going to be practicing that because, yeah, you're right. Uh, we connecting right now, but it's true. Uh, at the same time, some aspect of self can become a little, you know, we're human. We become addictive to everything. And then we can become addictive to connection. And then we create pain out of the connection. And mm -hmm. because we're not disconnecting, like you say, in a very conscious way, we're not disconnecting properly and right. keeping that connection, but still disconnected. So we're not having attachment and right. we're not walking away with a, a core, umbilical yes. cord. Yes. And then I'm grabbing everybody's cord and I'm like, <laughs> so yeah. that's good, right? Like we have to cut the cord yeah. every day. 
Yeah. And consciously, I love it. I love you. You're so amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for your wisdom. You you really share a lot, and at the same time, it was profound. So I had still have to wrap you know my head around that. <laughs> in some in some things that you say that I definitely I recommend. You know, I take my note. I tell everyone you have to take your note all the time. Uh, with you here at Lucia Gabriela TV, exploring and learning and asking questions, you got to have your notes with you and review them at least a few times a month, and and you know and just practice what you listen and what you review and put it into practice. And it was intense, but it was it was like you really gave me that whole nutri bullet stuff. Then you know what I mean. <laughs> So I really thank you. Appreciate how, how how people can connect with you and reach out to you for uh, help. How you, who do you help with? Like you, I know that you work with men and women and couples. So, well, um, my my main area of expertise is around emotional, somatic, and primal um, primal intelligence. Can you, can you do your? Yeah, thank you. Uh, so emotional, somatic, and primal intelligence is what I work on with my clients. Uh, with men, I mostly work on, on emotional intelligence. With women, I mostly work on primal intelligence. I think women can go way deeper into their primal selves uh, because the primality of women has been deeply, deeply rejected by society. And I think the emotionality of men has been deeply, deeply rejected in society. Uh, the best way to get a hold of me is to go to my website. It's and you have to listen to it because it's a different extension. So it's not .com. It's .love. So exquisite.love. That's my website. And if you go there, you can you can click on to find my Facebook profile, to my and uh, my personal my personal profile, my personal page, uh, which is Exquisite Love Coaching. Uh, there's also the video, the uh, the the video, the YouTube video uh, with um, uh, what's it called? Uh, what was that? Uh, was that the magazine? Oh, Playboy. Playboy. Right. Playboy. The Playboy magazine. So you can see the video. It's like a ten-minute video, and it was it was about a class that I did. That's about um, uh, it's called the art of sensation play. So I taught people in the class on how to be connected aesthetically to each other via touch and pleasure. Um, and also, let's see, what's the last piece of this? Yes, if you go on my website, there will be a pop-up, or you can. On the right side, you will see you can enter your information to get my ebook. And my ebook has 14 different games to support you in learning about emotional, somatic, and primal intelligence or primal intimacy. So get it, it's free, it's awesome. It's a lot of things that I, it's a lot of what's in the ebook is things that I've taught in classes. So you get to have it, you get to practice it for 14 weeks or 14 days. Uh, it's up to you and hopefully you do it with a partner or many partners so you can be in the practice of developing yourself and creating more deeper, more deeper connection um, in your life. Yay! Awesome. Um, I'm excited about the ebook. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, I didn't, you know, like I get so many pop-ups sometimes and and like it's like uh, the same thing everybody talk about the same thing but this is different this is uh, like 
I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm like, after you, I'm like, I'm getting that ebook today. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, I, I was teaching these things for many years, and then I realized I want people to have access to it without me being around. So the ebook is just, it's just me putting down a lot of the things that a lot of my teachings, a lot of a lot of ideas that I have. And I'm also working on another book that eventually will be coming out, uh, which is um, it's a lot of the little bits of clarity that I post on my Facebook wall. So if you um, if you also search on Facebook for hashtag exquisite love, one word, then you will see everything that I post. And you can just go down the list or you can just look every day and put create a create a um, what do you call that like a bookmark and you just click on it um, and I also have a few um, if you on my website you'll find the links to uh, to different Facebook groups that I've created that allows you to just keep keep in touch uh, and stay in, stay informed of all the things that I post little bits of clarity around these three topics emotional physical and uh, primal intelligence but sometimes I actually elaborate and I go a little bit outside of that and that's what I love about you. You are, you're expansive and orgasmic and sharing all your amazing wisdom with uh, the community. And that's how I had the, the opportunity to, to know about you. So for everyone who is watching today, go into his website and follow up on Facebook and YouTube and, you know, all the media that he's at and uh, download the book today, tonight, and you got to read it. And practice it. 14 days. We're going to do the 14 day challenge. And I'm okay. going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. All right. So thank you so much, Philip, again for everything. And I hope that one day I meet you in person and I maybe go. To, I know you're in California. I'm in Sarasota, Florida. So you're welcome to come to White Beach whenever you want. <laughs> in Sarasota, Florida, we here in. Sarasota, oh, I hear good things. That's a beautiful place. Yeah, we have the White Sand, uh, Crystal Quartz uh, uh, Beach in uh, Siesta Key, and it's like number one beach in the United States, besides uh, Hawaii. So, right? yeah, that's true. So yeah, um, so hopefully one day we have the blessing to have you here and do a workshop. Squeezing workshop. I would love that. Yeah, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I love that. I'm getting excited about that. <laughs> we gotta plan that. So anyway, thank you so much, Felipe, and thank you everyone for showing up today. Thank you for saying yes to coming and learn more about love, relationships, sexuality, intimacy, your passion, and what really, you know, make your life super yummy and orgasmic. So thank you, and I see you next time with another amazing speaker. And talk to you soon. Love you. Bye. Have a great one. <laughs>